Hey there, beautiful people, and welcome to Articulating, a bi-weekly podcast that highlights the black and brown experience at independent schools. My name is Gina Parker-Collins, and I'm an Indy School mom, advisor, and founder of Resources in Independent School Education, where we focus on access, application, and enrollment in culturally responsive ways. Yay! And I'm Sam Osborne. I'm a RISE advisor and proud alum of a New York City independent school. I just completed my MBA from Wharton, and I'm now working as a management consultant. Friends, we're back. Did you miss us? It's been a while, but please don't be mad. We have another great episode today. Mr. Randall Dunn, head of the Rye Country Day School in New York, joins us to discuss his experiences as a school leader of color. During the span of his 35-year career in education, Mr. Dunn has been a teacher, coach, and senior administrator, and has worked in independent public day and boarding schools. Mr. Dunn's also the recently elected chair of the Board of Trustees of the National Association of Independent Schools, or NAIF. Mr. Dunn attended Milton Academy in Milton, Massachusetts under the sponsorship of A Better Chance, then received his Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Brown University, and Master of Education in Human Development and Psychology from Harvard University. Without further ado, let's kick off the new season. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Articulating. That's Artic, period, U-lating. Thanks for listening. I hope you don't mind us responding to you as at a school done. Listen, and I, I just feel like that level of respect <laughs> is due. What do you think, Sam? Head of school done. Okay. We call a lot of things <laughs> over, over the years. Most of them good. Uh, but yeah, Mr. Dunn is, is what I'm calling it, right? Well, it's an honor to have you on, uh, articulating. Um, I think what's so exciting about you is first of all, I don't believe we've ever had, um, a, a black head of school, but it's so much more than that. Um, I was reading your bio, you are an indie school alum. Milton Academy, you are an alum of a better chance. I mean, that's, you know, the heart and soul of the things, the topics that we aim to cover on this podcast. And so, so excited for um, Rye that you're able to bring all those perspectives um, in your role as head of school. And you're showing up in community in a really uh, wonderful relationship building ways. So, you have your your on Instagram and talking about Dunn's top five things or your reading. Oh, you've seen to Mr. Students. Dunn's top five. Yes, I great. have. I, I catch it all the time, <laughs> you know. And it's a really great way of building community and building trust and um, seeing you as a human being. Um, you're leaving uh-huh. the school, but certainly you are involved in the students' lives, and that's important for us as parents to see. I mean, that's that's you know, for me, that is. Um, in many ways, that's the easiest part of the job because I really enjoy that. I mean, I I started as a sixth grade teacher, and so you know, any any opportunity that I still get to really engage with kids, to be able to to frankly go out to games or um, see them engage in the life of the school and support that. That's that's fun to me. I, I, you know, remembering my days in Milton and seeing some of those same kinds of 
things here, um, the joyful part of school for kids and enhancing that in any way is fun for me. Um, you know, whether it's like pajama day and wearing my robe or, you know, <laughs> going out to the game or fl flipping the coin I've seen and all to, of that. to be in I've the football all of game. That. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's July 1st, 2022. Work begins. You sit down at your desk. And so yeah. what are the big decisions? What are the things where you sit down and you say, okay, we are implementing this. We are getting rid of this. You know, I don't, I, I don't think that starts on July 1. Uh, to be honest, there's a part of this work that um, in order for change, I think, to be enduring, um, the first thing one has to do is, I believe you gotta you gotta understand where you are. You gotta get the context. You gotta get the lay of the land because I think change without um, without knowledge and history and context um, will not be um, adherent. It won't be enduring. So I think July one and thinking about you know what needs to happen. A part of it is be, be a part of the environment. I think there's a natural natural sense of moving forward where you notice things that are in need of change or your attention. And some of those things, um, you simply need to uh, make a sense, make a, you know, make a judgment about whether it's something that needs change now, to be honest, or whether it's something that has um, larger implications or uh, is more complex in terms of institutional process. Uh, and you have to sort of give that time. And so if you're going to play the long game, you have to take the time to get to know the community, get to know where folks are coming from, what are the issues, and what are the the joyful things to protect. All of those things you need to get a sense of, um, all at the same time understanding where the quote-unquote low-hanging fruit is, where the things are mm -hmm. that people have been waiting for you to, for the new person to really take a look at, or things that I'm accustomed to that I know are small, that I know will will simply make my transition easier. All of those ways of factoring your transition are really important. Um, and so I could see where in a complex institution like a Rye Country Day or some of our independent schools, it's really hard um, for, you know, the excited, enthusiastic um individual, especially a person who isn't used to these environments, um, where they can run into roadblocks and they can really begin to um, stumble if you don't take the time to really absorb the environment. Um, so July 1 was a lot, of, a lot of thinking, a lot of speculating. And what I've done um, since I've been here is set up individual one-on-one -on -one meetings with everybody at the school. And, you know, I've, I'm close to 200 um, meetings by now. And man, I have a very different sense of the place. Your predecessor was um, in the role of head of school for quite some time, right? So you're coming in with, um, with some precedents that has been there and some traditions that have been there. Um, yeah. So with your 200 meetings, do you feel like you have, you're in your own shoes now? Not quite. Not quite. I wouldn't say the shoes are snug and, and uh, fit yet. Um, mm -hmm. 
it I think that will take some time. I think I think um, it takes uh, with patience and grace. Process simply takes time, and the way mm-hmm. institutions that deal with people, we are widgets. We don't change overnight, and sometimes it's it's the people. You have to have the right people on the bus in the right seat, mm-hmm. as they would say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and sometimes it is changing process. In other words. The people are in the right seat, and those processes begin to feel um, as if they're moving the school in the right direction in a way that I think is appropriate. I, I think then one could say that you know the proverbial shoes will be feeling a bit more snug and tight and comfortable. <laughs> so the things that you're talking about, you hold so much responsibility at this oh. institution so many stakeholders it makes me think about it makes me wonder about the appeal Mm -hmm. of the role of head of school and i think you know we had a couple episodes ago about diversity uh in the faculty and just you know what is the appeal of becoming Mm -hmm. you know an educator in independent school could you touch on Maybe what yeah. the appeal might look like for the budding educator yeah. climbing the ranks? Yeah, it's that's a big question. <laughs> um, I think given all the factors, one could ask the question, why in the world would anybody want this job? <laughs> right? That's that's a fundamental question. And I think, you know, and I'm completely biased, obviously, because I've been doing this for a number of years. I think it's one of the best jobs in the world doing this work. And for me, and this is, you know, I will speak from the eye perspective. For me, this um, this work is based on the fact that I really enjoy the work of working with people, um, first and foremost. And and so seeing people, um, and it, seeing people go through the changes that are necessary for growth and development and becoming better at what they do and who they are and what they think, um, that fundamentally for me is about excellence in education. And so it start, started for me in seeing those changes when I was a teacher, when I was teaching kids and seeing light bulbs go on and the fact that their lives were now fundamentally changed because of the things that we were doing together in the classroom. It's tra- it, that That's transferable to how one works with adults in schools as well. And so from I continue to, to on a daily basis, find the doses of how the work I am doing um, still continue to impact the students who are walking by my door every day. And and unless I keep that at the center, um, I'm lost. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do, how does my work, whether it's compensation, whether it's um, developing a new way to do professional development and growth with the faculty, how does that fundamentally just get back into the classroom and impact the kids? Um, and so me as a black man in independent schools, even that is, a, I, I thought I've thought about that for years uh, and the impact that has for all of the kids, all of the, 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 the adolescents in the high school to the, the, to the young ones in the middle and lower school, being able to be a presence in their life and what that means for who they see and how they engage and what they think about. That can be for the for a number of kids a life changer, and and in particular for those students of color who walk by 
And sometimes those guys, they'll see me and I might not know them um, all that well, but they'll see me and they'll, they'll look at me, I'll look at them and they all know and I will know that me just being there matters. And that, those engagements for me as a man of color in this role has always been something that was important to me. It then also translates to the adults in the same way that there are adults on the faculty um, with a range of understanding of my presence at the school um, from the faculty of color who, again, like the students, appreciate the fact that I'm here in a different way or the faculty um, or the white faculty who appreciate it um, or the white faculty who might be challenged by it. All of those things are important in a learning environment when you are here to both make change and also to make folks be known and seen in the right way. Um, so the challenge to me um, is one that I've loved um, that has a lot to do with people and the systems. Um, the complications that have come along um, certainly layered on top of all of those personal pieces have been um, certainly challenging. The uncertainty of COVID, the real strife and angst um, around the Black Act movement in our schools, all of those things have been really complicated. On the, as we emerge from some of those things, though, you realize the muscle that we've built, the things that we have learned, the fact that going through difficult times um, if taken the right way, can be um, a real strengthening force in the end, especially if you feel like we did that right, the best that we could. And then you really take a look at what, you know, you don't forget. I, I always just believe that going through those moments, you should not forget the whole notion of PTSD. When your stomach starts to churn, your palm gets sweaty, and you remember this is one of those difficult moments, it simply means that you've actually learned. You have, you are now accustomed to or changed when you think about those things. I remember moments, for example, working with uh, my DI director at my previous school. I remember you know, some, a, a brief moment where there was something about um, we had done, we were trying to create a, an introductory program where um, the new folks would tell us about themselves and they would use a spirit animal um, or their spirit animal. And, and you know, we, we set it up, we did it, and really folks came back and said, you know, that really was not appropriate. This, this notion done this way felt wrong. And through conversation and explanation, I learned and we learned um, so much about that exercise that it wasn't appropriate in many ways. But as we went through it, um, folks were eager to learn what the mistake was. Like what, you know, we didn't know and now we were learning. And that moment, I looked around the room and I thought, huh, we're, we're all engaged in this in a way where we're, we're actually absorbing this. And we're not fearful. We, we are in this and defensive or saying, well, I don't know. We are actually simply leaning in to a place that was, that was, um, you know, that was difficult and we're actually learning something and changing as an organization. Like we won't do this again. And in fact, we'll, we'll do it even better. Or we'll, whatever we do next is even going to be 
strengthened because of what we're dealing with right now. And so in, I think institutions, this, this never changes. The more diverse one a school gets, the more complicated it becomes. But the more complicated it comes, if you learn from those moments, that's when good diversity work is happening because you actually um, understand that on the other side of this difficulty is strength as well. Um, and so being able to build a community that has that kind of understanding that a part of this is to trust and some grace and some um, common understanding that this thing that we're dealing with is at arm's length. It's not about us. It's about this thing that is racism and um, inequity and, and systems that are in place and um, that working together, we're actually going to be able to change those and become stronger as a as a, a place. One of the things we wanted to talk about on the pod was the evolution of the head of school um, and what leadership at independent uh -huh. schools look like today versus yesterday versus tomorrow. Um, have you have yeah, you witnessed yeah. that or would you say that the essence of the head of school kind of remains constant? Oh, it's it's changed tremendously. Um, it's changed tremendously. I think the, um, you know, um, the job has become uh, much more like the CEO of a startup nowadays than, than it does of, you know, your traditional independent school that um, there, where there was a template that you could simply take the job and sort of walk through the steps in a predictable way. The, the job is no longer like that. You're, you, you're understanding of the, the forces that impact your school and impact people from a, a personal and, and, and social, emotional, and psychological dimension. You know, so you have to have a psych degree. You have to have a business degree, um, certainly. And you certainly have to have an entrepreneurial mindset as you do that as well. And so the job has changed tremendously. I think about heads of school that I, you know, when there, it was when I was at Milton and I could see as a student what the head of school did, or when I was a young administrator and I was being mentored, um, and the advice that I got so much of, of those practices, while, um, small bits are still certainly present, present in, in order for you to do this job, you certainly fundamentally need to know how to, um, be yourself among the community, get to know folks, appreciate um, the history and, and all that comes with the school. But the essence of the job has changed dramatically where you need to be able to understand that the forces of the world are now within the school and we are not in a bubble. That, that, and, and you shouldn't be um, in a bubble because there are great lessons to be learned when done together as a community forces um, within the school could you could you explain that what do you mean by that no longer you know are issues around race or around inequities or around uh, social injustice just things that we protect ourselves against in schools uh, many of these things okay manifest themselves because of what kids information is free kids have are on social media. The world is an open place in many ways. And in our schools that where our students, I think in men, 
years ago, the goal here was to sort of keep that out a lot. We, it's unavoidable. And you are, you are very, you are, uh, sh you are short lived in school. If you do not embrace the fact that you have to find ways to address issues within the school house, um, because it's on your doorstep and you have to be able to deal with those things, um, in a proactive way by putting in place programs and people and systems to manage them. And then the, the complications around the finances of school, the increasing cost to educate in this way, um, access and affordability uh, become something that you have to pay attention to um, in independent schools or we're, 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 we're frankly in trouble if we don't really um, begin to think about models that will help um, continue to have uh, our schools be accessible. This is a good segue into the business model of independent schools. When we talk about the business model, though, I wonder, uh, and this is now your NAIS hat is coming into this, too. So I think, first of all, sure. uh, Rye Country Day School is, is, is gifted in your capacity as a head of school, but also your leadership and the National Association of Independent Schools. What trends um, have you seen with discussions around the business model of independent schools and its ability to remain accessible as costs go up? Uh, do you see that business model changing? Can it change? And will it still be an independent school if it does? I don't know if I have a, the right answer to this. Um, <laughs> that and, was a, that was a good, I actually, had to slide that in. <laughs> the, 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 the answer to the question is, is that we, we are still struggling. We're still, independent schools are still struggling. At NAIS, we're doing a lot of work around the business model and tr um, trying to innovate and think about ways that schools um, can work together and ways in which schools can be supported um, in terms of their growth and infrastructure. Um, but the, the model um, uh, that we have in independent schools is still, it's still one that um, continues to, to be difficult for us to manage in terms of um, the, certainly the cost across the board, but um, certainly in, in terms of ways to find additional revenue streams. And at NAS, we're, you know, we're actually, we've, I think we've come up with um, a number of ways that we're, we, we're continuing to workshop um, to have conversations about uh, that, how we can change <laughs> and see that model change in terms of where this is headed. I just know, though, that in terms of the caliber and quality of the experience and the kind of education that kids are getting, everyone deserves this. I think we need to start looking outside of the independent school world for <laughs> what's going to happen next. And I would, I just wonder across the board what um, what's feasible or what's what we can do if we begin to raise our gaze beyond our walls. The idea of parent development, I think, is huge too. I think that there's a way to um, develop as we develop our educators and faculty members, our parents also need a level of development to keep up with the work that independent schools are doing. As I said, 
um, you have to have an entrepreneurial mindset when you do this job now. And that's really mm -hmm. going to be an important aspect of Ed's going forward. I absolutely 100% um, agree with the education, parent education. I think there was a time in school where the homeschool partnership was a big deal and people talked about it a lot more than they do now. Um, and we have to get back to the fact that we can't do this alone, that we actually need parents to be able to work with us and for us to, to create the kind of educational opportunity for them to understand what the terrain is like for their kids, what the conversations they need to be having at the dinner table that might support the work that we're having at school. And that educational process is, um, is one where you have to, it, it's not going to just be um, automatically absorbed by parents. You have to be intentional. Um, and in both aspects, the entrepreneurial piece as well as this parent education piece, it's all about how intentional you are about it. It's not just going to happen. You actually have to develop your strategy around moving towards that. That actually, this is kind of uncovering a question I've had in the back of my head for you. And it's not going to be, it's going to be clunky, so forgive me. That parent relationship, so much of a head of school's role is relationships, right? And so much of the interactions, there, there's so much uh, social informal interaction that takes place, be it the lobby, you know, school pickup, school drop off, be it, uh, you know, the gala, be it the, you know, parent teacher uh, events, cocktails and everything. And so culturally speaking, so much of it, it, you know, there's a class element to it. There's a cultural element to so much uh, around, you know, independent school engagement and events. Um, I, I guess I'm curious to know, you know, as a black head of school, how you occupy those spaces? Is there uh, a double veil of consciousness? Is there um, a keen awareness in how you exist in places like that with parents? I think I'd be super naive if I didn't have some aspect of that understanding or that consciousness in my mind. And, and I think it would, it's dangerous not to, frankly, um, to understand who you are, what the history of this country and um, what many people's, um, you know, uh, misunderstandings or, or prejudices might be as you um, navigate this world. But I do think that, you know, my life experience from Jamaica to Dorchester to Milton Academy to Brown University to Harvard University um, the, the collection of being able to be in different places and be conscious of the, the fact that these people are, are looking at me and there are as many different opinions of me and my role and what I can or can't do um, in the room as there are people in the room potentially. <laughs> that I, you know, if I'm going to do the job I want to do and that I love to do, I have to be able to understand that that exists and not be fearful of that because mm -hmm. I think that's where it comes from is, is that there are moments where you, you look around and you go, huh, I am the only black person in the room. And you recognize that and you move on 
Um, and 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 I I say move on in the sense that sometimes I don't make it my problem that you know I don't see that as a problem for me in that room. I'm confident about what I do, what I know, where I want us to go. I feel very comfortable at Rye Country Day in terms of my engagement with folks. Um, I am also conscious that I have to make sure that I am able to protect myself or detect if there are things that are inappropriate or things that are said that need to be addressed um, in order to be able to navigate comfortably. But you clothe yourself with your authenticity. So I'm, I understand that yeah. your Jamaican Patois has come out <laughs> oh, in, in spaces and meetings where, you know, being true to who we are is, is our yeah. armor, right? Is, is, mm-hmm. and it is mm-hmm. also a gift. It is also a gift in building a community that, um, is diverse, is creative, is innovative. So we appreciate you being who it is that you are, um, and, and bringing all of yourself into this space and people, we need that in our schools. We put the in community, and so you you keep on with that Jamaican patois. This is so you got a strong culture <laughs> right there. You have a strong culture <laughs> right there. Um, so we're going to be. Um, we have a few more minutes before we end. Is there anything else we want to ask? Well, do want to make sure we get a picture. Um, and I think one thing that would be cool would be you know for the budding for the BIPOC educator who may be at the start of their career, middle of the career, what could the path to head of school look like and how could they forge that path? Absolutely. Um, the, the, you know, PSCC um, this year was tremendous because of that. We have seen over the years uh, tremendous growth in the number of heads of color and women um, in independent schools. And NAS actually has been conscious, the Aspiring Heads program, we've been very consciously going after building a pipeline and helping that to happen. And, and you know, so much that has happened in society has made people sort of say, oh, this is something we've got to address. And it's really heartening to see that movement in our schools. That being said, that, that conference with us on the stage and those folks looking at us, you could you could hear it in the audience. You could you could see the the budding and aspiring um, potential heads of school really thinking about it. You could start to feel that momentum. I do think it is, um, you know, this, that's a part of what I love about this work. As I said before, is the opportunity to know that there are others who are looking and who will come after. Um, that being said, I think I do think that mentorship. And folks connecting, you know, with with current heads is a very important part of how leadership um, in this way can happen. Um, those connections are really, really important. The work of of understanding the exactly what you stated before, the authenticity. You've got to be yourself. The way in which the environment is now structured, folks are thinking about. You know, yeah, this person doesn't just have to be a head of color, but we want a head of color who also has this. And so the diversity among the diversity um, is now taking shape. That's progress to me. It's not just that there are a bunch of us. 
So there are a bunch of us, and we have different approaches. All the schools that we're attracted to don't have to be, you know, set up in a certain way. I mean, I know I like the school because I know there's lots of really great things that I, there's work here to be done, and I'm really excited about it. I wasn't looking for a school that had it all answered. Uh, in fact, I was looking for a place that I felt like, yeah, I think I can make a real impact there based that's, on that's, all of these things. I want to um, say that we we value you in your position. We are so happy to have you uh, leading a school like Rye Country Day School, which happens to be a RISE member school. We um, are looking forward to Martha's Vineyard, recognizing and lifting and thanking our heads of color in August as um, head of Sounds school. Sounds like fun. Yeah, absolutely. Rye has been there last year. We're, we're looking forward to you coming this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you enjoyed this discussion, please pass it on to a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at articulating. That's at artic period you lady. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.